This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 421. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and I'm joined by Matthew Marister. Super happy to be here with you guys. And uh, you guys held down the fort last week and did two episodes without me, so I was feeling was feeling a little lonely, so I, you let me back on the podcast, so thanks. <laughs> yeah, you had to beg and grovel and <laughs> plead for forgiveness. Right, right. <laughs> So, guys, uh, we're thrilled to be with you today. This is a Justified Saves episode. Uh, today, we got a bunch of stories to cover, lots of lessons learned. I know we're going to enjoy it and uh, uh, come away, hopefully, knowing a thing or two more about what to do or what not to do, especially. So, you know, I think this is a really important part of mindset and mental preparation is thinking through these various, you know, real life problems and analyzing what we would do, how we would do it, how we would handle ourselves. Where's the line that we do not cross? Because that's where people get in trouble is when they they cross a line that sometimes they don't realize is there because they they haven't put in the time to to think and analyze and learn Mm -hmm. about the, the use of force, particularly the use of deadly force. Today's episode is brought to you by CCW Safe. Uh, That's my pick for Currently, my, my self-defense coverage is all provided through CCW Safe. Uh, fantastic people over there that run the company. They have a very uh, mission-focused attitude about you know what what they are trying to provide to the serious, you know, and 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 righteous-minded concealed carriers. So, uh, head on over to CCWSafe.com check out their various plans you can get the ultimate plan we can get the uh the defender plan the protector plan i think is the one that's for if you are uh active or retired um le or military and uh yeah check out ccwsafe.com also we would like to point out that we now sell on our on the concealedcarry.com web store the slide spider from Arachnagrip. This is the this is you know for for that extra little grip that you might want or need on the slide of your pistol. Uh, I think Matthew's got this mounted on one mm-hmm. of his guns, maybe yeah. mul- multiple of your guns. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I mean, so tell us about the slide spider. Yeah. So if you guys know what uh, like talon grips are grip tape basically it's grip tape that is applied to the to your slide um but it's not just like a patch of grip tape they it's custom to that 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 uh specific gun so if there's serrations it'll go inside the serration so um it it adds grip without really adding a lot of like texture on the outside it's kind of recessed which is good um but it really does make a big difference especially on those small like um, glock 43 glock 42 type size guns where you might not have a lot of slide to grab onto and you know you have a stiff recoil spring you might struggle with it a little bit um having that little extra grip helps so um, yeah it doesn't hurt anything right and it only helps so yeah uh you know we got mark here too who who has a little bit of a physical disability and it, the slide spider I'm, I'm sure helps him 
you know, manipulate his pistol a little bit better. So that's that's another thing too. Or if you've got a little bit, you know, weakness in your hands or that grip strength is not quite what it used to be, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, just having a little bit more friction of something to hold on to might be the solution for for some of you. Uh, I played with the, the with the slide spider on my gun. I think it is a great product and a fantastic quality product as far as uh, what Arachna Grip brings to the table with with the Slide Spider. Um, ultimately, I did remove it from my pistol, but I'd certainly recommend it for anyone that uh, you know feels that they need it. I I, I don't need it, you know. I'm, yeah. I got these big meat hands and <laughs> and and stuff, um, and so it was just a little extra abrasiveness that I I didn't feel like I needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that doesn't mean it's not a great product, and we're proud to be uh, sellers of, of the Slide Spider from Arachna Grip. So check it out, concealedcarry.com forward slash Slide Spider. Uh, all right, we've got uh, well, we've got a lot of opportunities in today's episode to actually probably uh, talk about this very thing. But uh, Matthew, you have here a note. We wanted to talk to listeners about riots and their safety. Yeah. I'd like to hear your thoughts. I'd like to hear from you first. Yeah, like you said, we'll probably mention a lot of this, and in, in, in this is on a lot of you guys, listeners and watchers' minds and stuff. But um, just wanted to just to remind you guys that we are all like thinking about you guys and and uh, and gals too, and want you to be safe and protect your families. Um, do the right thing and, and don't get in, in, in the situations if you can avoid it. Right. Um, I know, you know, we all try to be ready for everything, right. We train and, and we think we're pretty, pretty, uh, uh, ready for whatever might come our way, but we don't need to go looking for it. So if you can just protect your family, stay away from those areas. And, um, cause it's popping up in little areas that you wouldn't expect. So mm-hmm. just, you know, take care of your family and be safe. We're thinking about you guys. Recent events has, uh, you know, just reinforced in my own mind and uh, just how fast things can get out of hand for for people. Mm-hmm. It's been remarkable to me to uh, get messages from friends and people I know uh, from various places across the country that are kind of in the thick of it, and, you know, depending on where they live. Uh, most of these riots have been, you know, more affecting downtown areas of major mm-hmm. cities. Uh, but you know, there's been a few instances where things have gotten out a little, you know, bit more from from the downtown areas areas, and uh, so you know we got a, a, a watch for that. And actually, um, talking about uh, Brian Eastridge, who's a host of the well now former Law Dog Shooting Sports podcast. Uh, they're they're taking a bit of a hiatus and, and regrouping and and uh, probably going to come back with a little bit of a different format of a show. But uh, Brian is a police officer in uh, downtown Oklahoma City and lives downtown. So, like, here's the thing. Uh, There's there's a lot of hate going on uh, right now. There's uh, on all sides, right? You know, people that hate cops. uh, There's racism involved. I'm not, I'm not referring to specific incidents, by the way. I'm just saying that kind of stuff, it doesn't fly in my world, okay? All that should go away. Um, but realize that uh, a lot of the frustration being taken out, it, you know, is being taken out on businesses, being taken out on people, just regular people, being taken out on cops that have nothing to do with any of this. Uh, and some, you know, many of these cops probably live right amongst you know the same people that are that are you know causing some of these problems um and i'm not talking about the protesters i'm talking about the rioters people that are looking for an excuse to get out and just cause destruction and mayhem 
It's inexcusable. Uh, it's wrong. It's despicable. You know, protest all you want. Okay, that is your right. That's your, you know, that's guaranteed in in the in the Constitution. Protest all you want, but destroying property and lives and hurting people. I mean, there's been numerous cops killed last week or so. Uh, there's been other people killed. You know, rioters and protesters alike. Right. Uh, I've seen some some horrible, you know, horrific video of people getting you know run over, caught between vehicles. Uh, sometimes some of that maybe have, you know maybe brought upon themselves to some degree, but still, I mean, it's it's sad and it's it's disappointing to see. So, um, what I would say though, for 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 the rest of us, those of us that are just trying to go about our lives and and, and live day to day, don't let your guard down. Because stuff can change in a right hurry. I think it was Saturday night. There was a tweet posted. I think that later came down. Well, the account was taken down for like the main, like, or one of the big Antifa Twitter accounts. And they said, you know, forget the city. We're, we're, let's take this into the residential areas, into the neighborhoods, you know, this, this riot uh, stuff. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's, that's, that's dicey. That's scary a little bit. So you got to stay, uh, you know, stay switched on, stay, engaged, uh, you know, be ready and, uh, knowledge guard down. So, uh, you know, and I mean, a little example, um, avoid situations or, or places where you might, where, you know, where it possibly increases your risk of getting caught up in stuff. So for an instance, on Saturday, I taught, taught a little class up at our range, uh, and, uh, took my son with me. Uh, he, he wanted to get out of the house and wanted to come and assist, which he was a, he was a great help. And I, I was very appreciative of that. Uh, driving home, though, as it was getting to, into the evening hours, uh, you know, we left early in the morning. It was like 6, 630 in the morning as we, we, we did go ahead and kind of pass through the downtown area along the, inter, the uh, interstate. Uh, wasn't so concerned about things then, but on the way back. We we took the long way home, you know, completely avoiding any of the downtown area. Didn't want to take the chance or the risk that, you know, there could be protesters that uh, decided to try to block the interstate like they've done in some other places. Uh, so you don't want to get caught up in that stuff, you know, be, be, be switched on and be thinking and taking those steps you need to to avoid uh, having to be put, placed in a very bad situation in the first place. And that's what we're so big about here on the podcast, right? And that same lesson is going to carry on through uh, some of the stories we're going to cover today, is the idea of avoidance. So, you know, if we avoid trouble in the first place, uh, all the better. No doubt. So... Uh, guys, be safe out there, and uh, let's get into let's get to our first story here. First story is kind of a, a bit of a sad one, really. I mean, yeah. it, it really is sad because of my my first thought is is how do little kids really? I mean, these are kids. How do they get mixed up in stuff like this? You know, crazy. Headline of the story is seven year old shot while attempting to burglarize St. Louis home with other boys. This is a seven year old boy. Now he was he was tagging along with two other twelve year old boys during an attempt to break in to an, a home uh, in St. Louis. And uh, as they're, they, so a 23 year old man, it says here, heard banging and glass breaking from the rear of the home. He found the three boys coming into the home through a broken window. So that seems pretty apparent, right? Glass breaking, somebody's entering in through a broken window. 
Police say the man fired a shot from his weapon in the direction of the suspects, fearing for his safety. The three boys started to run away. The seven-year-old was struck in the leg uh, by a bullet. The 12, a 12-year-old 12 was struck in the wrist by a fragment. The other 12-year-old was not injured in the incident, and the 23-year-old man was not injured uh, and presumably you know, not being charged with anything, obviously. Um, and I have no idea what they're going to do with these, I mean, these little boys. Well, 12-year-olds, uh, one thing, but man, seven-year-old. I mean, like, I got, I got kids that are right around that age, you know, and it's just yeah. that that doesn't even compute in my brain that that one of my children of that age would be even capable of of doing something. Now, granted, it's probably more of a, again, tagging along with these, uh, these older uh, kids, but still, unreal. Uh, I do got to pose a question here, though, Matthew. Would you shoot a seven-year-old child? Yeah, and and that this was kind of why I put this uh, in here because, um, you know, oftentimes I see people say, if anybody comes in my house, they're leaving in a body bag, right? Like, I don't have to ask questions. That door's for your protection, not mine. All the, you know, the catchphrase and stuff. And, and you know, we, we always try to cover these stories and home invasions and say, look, I mean, Yes, somebody breaking into your home, it, it, it legally justified to do uh, use deadly force. It, you know, it's reasonably uh, assumed that they're there to to cause you harm, right? If they're feloniously breaking into your home. Um, but like we also say, but use use some also some common sense if you can and, and use some discernment if you have the ability to. And I'm not, I don't know. It doesn't say what time of the day or night this was. It doesn't say distances. And it really doesn't go into any statement from him where, you know, I saw them from this far away or, uh, you know, I gave them commands or anything. But I think um, when you look at a story like this, um, it, it, it's hard to say that you would – see i don't know what the 12 year they could you know i look like a 12 year old probably in height right <laughs> like i'm not very tall but um a seven-year-old it's just hard to imagine that you would mistake that as a th that person as a threat i don't know i'm not second guessing saying he did anything wrong i'm just saying it's hard if you identified your threat and said this is a threat that needs to be shot rather than this is just something breaking into my home and again i'm not saying that you know, he, he did anything wrong. I'm just saying if you had the opportunity to, to, you know, take that shot back, knowing that it was a seven-year-old kid and who knows, maybe the kid, maybe they were there to kill the guy. I don't know. Um, but, you know, we, we often say like, well, somebody who is drunk broke into the wrong house, right? They're drunk, they break into the wrong house and somebody shoots them and they're like, well, you know, stupid games get stupid prizes. And we kind of like, you know, cast it off, but like, it's really no different than if you have the ability and discernment and, and, and the time available to, to definitely make sure that what you're shooting at is not your na your, your neighbor, your, your drunk neighbor who thinks it's his apartment and not yours and, or, or, or a kid or your, your family member sneaking in through a window, you know, your kid, um, you know, do, use that discernment. And that's all, we're, you know, we try to get, get through to people, not to say you can't use daily force, to protect yourself and your home or your family, but, if you have, if you can, you know, no one wants to shoot a seven-year-old kid. Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. So, well, I mean, so it comes down to, here's how I see it. Um, for me to feel justified, just even on a moral level, you know, like a values, like who Riley is, who I am. Uh, I've got to 
perceive a threat, right? And uh, I'm not saying a seven-year-old couldn't pose a threat. Of course. It's just that it's very unlikely that a seven-year-old or that I would feel threatened by a seven-year-old. You know, short of them having a gun in their hand with finger on the trigger pointing in my direction, uh, you know, maybe some sharp po- pointy objects might could potentially be an issue. But, but again, I mean, realize... I think the less the point I'm trying to get across here is we need to identify what we are shooting at, right? And by identifying, does that change things for us? And it absolutely can and should, right? And so I don't again, yeah, we don't know exactly for whatever reason the article says nothing about what time of day this happened at. Uh, but if it was dark, then which when a lot of things happen, but uh, uh, but even if it's not dark. Uh, still, we need to identify what it is that we are drawing our gun on and pointing at and then ultimately maybe shooting at. And uh, that, that you know, changes the dynamic situation for sure. And it's, it is, I think, our obligation before using deadly force to know what we are shooting at, right? If people have a problem with hunters shooting at things they see moving in the bushes, Right there's so much time spent in hunters' education classes about you know ma- making the important or ma- making the point of or the- talking about the importance of identifying the animal that you're about to shoot. Why shouldn't we identify a a, a person we're about to shoot at? Right. Uh, so I I assure you that you have time to identify the threat. The, there's there's very few exceptions where that may not be, but if you got somebody coming through a window, and you're in your home and you know your home and you've got whether it's a hallway, whether it's a doorway, whether whatever, y- you can take up a position of advantage and of some sort of cover. You have time to identify what it is and who it is coming through that that door or that window, and that allows you to make a decision on whether you should pull the trigger or not. All right. Again, I don't think anything that was done here was wrong, particularly from a legal perspective. I just, I, I, I would have a hard time with myself knowing I just shot a kid. Yeah. Right. And, and I'm sorry, but breaking in's not the same thing as somebody that's coming at you with a weapon. And I know some people out there will disagree and be like, well, I didn't know what they were going to do. They, they were, you know, by them breaking into my house, they assumed that liability that, I got to assume they're coming to hurt me. Well, I understand that, but still, you need to identify what it is you're, you're pulling tr- the, the trigger at. So, um, next, Matthew, tell us about this grocery store employee who is now in custody after shooting a man in Brooklyn. Yeah, so uh, so this this is not a, a, a crazy story. A guy pulls a knife on a uh, deli store employee. Deli store employee perceives that person armed with a knife and uh, as a deadly threat, draws a firearm and shoots him. Nothing too out of the ordinary. Um, but if you read the story, the headline it says gro- grocery clerk or grocery store employee in custody after shooting man to death in Brooklyn. If you read the story, uh, it's basically uh, happens at 11.06 p.m., so in the evening time, uh, May 25th, at a grocery store or a little deli. Um, 
basically what happens is this guy, there's no kind of contest to the grocer's uh, or the deli store employee's claim that he feared for his life. Uh, knife is found on scene. Dude, uh, you know, had the knife. Uh, nobody contests that. But the guy is in custody because he didn't have a registered firearm or his firearm didn't have, he didn't have his, uh, it's in New York. So he didn't have his, uh, his, you know, his ability, his uh, license to, to possess a firearm. So um, he's in custody. And so I, I put this in there because it just kind of shows um, or it kind of underscores a couple of the little drawbacks of having these, these uh, crazy licensing rules and things where nobody's contesting that this guy, you know, uses firearm legally and justifiably in self-defense but he's in custody and that shouldn't, that shouldn't happen. We shouldn't put victims uh, that haven't done anything wrong uh, in custody. Right. So I think we all agree. Um, but this is one of those things and reminds uh, Riley. And I mentioned this, Riley mentioned this to me. I'm sure you guys are thinking about that. The, the other uh, guy in New York that um, he was arrested in his own home because his, he had his father's firearm that didn't, uh, that he hadn't registered it yet. So uh Pretty sad, pretty sad that he's in custody, but hopefully they get that worked out and, you know, they people enough people see and say, this is a stupid law that should never be like this and, uh, and they change it. But pretty interesting story. I'd love to see the law changed for New York City. Uh, love to see a Supreme Court case taken up that uh, makes it so it's impossible for these stupid and ridiculous laws to be in place. Because it's unacceptable that people in certain parts of this country and in certain cities are so much more vulnerable than the rest of us. So. Agree. Yep. All right. Uh, next up on our Ohio.concealedcarry.com site, your home yeah. state, Matthew. Yeah, but the story actually happened in Kentucky. So maybe it's, I don't know oh. why registers can, you know, Ohio might be just well, across the border. How about yeah. that? Yeah, it might be right there. Yeah, it's true. It could be. Uh, let's see. Boone County Sheriff's Office. I don't know where Boone County, Boone County is, but we had an attempted burglary go wrong, ended up in a beat up burglar and several warning shots being fired at two different times. Yeah, crazy story. <laughs> it really is. So, uh, and I, it may be difficult for me to keep facts straight. So, uh, you you got to set me straight if I get something wrong here. <laughs> uh, basically, you have a man. He's 29 years old. Uh, he's currently in jail uh, after an attempted burglary of a home. Uh, they were called to this home about 2 p.m. So it was in the afternoon, and because of shots being fired and a burglary and burglary in process progress. Uh, when the police arrived on scene, it says here they found the homeowner subduing the suspected burglar outside the home. Reports show that the suspect attempted to gain entry to the re residence forcibly, but was confronted by the armed homeowner. Uh, the man, it, it, I don't bother naming these guys anymore. Uh, he ran away on foot toward the riverbank, and as he did, the homeowner reportedly fired sh several warning shots at him. The homeowner continued to look for the suspected burglar and found him in a wooded area. Okay, so we have a situation where homeowner's in his home, right? He's just, he's in his home, uh, and dude tries to break in. Homeowner confronts him, is armed. Okay, fine. 
dude takes off. That should be end of story right then and there. Like that's it. <laughs> right. You know, cops are called cops show up, they investigate, maybe they find the, the guy and it turns out, isn't there also other suspects that were involved? Uh, I don't think we've get, even gotten there yet. Uh, I know that there was an updated uh, story here, a uh, related story. No, I don't know where this one came from. Hold on. Yeah, that's that's a that's another one um, that kind of ties into this one. The, gotcha. not, it's not the same situation. Gotcha. But, um, yeah, I, I read into that the wrong way, but yeah. So that's that's where the situation should should have ended, right? Mm-hmm. But homeowner decides to fire warning warning shots, whatever that means. Maybe that's what you call them when you try to actually shoot and hit the guy, but you suck so bad at shooting, you miss. I so I fired warning shots at him, officer. <laughs> And then I pursued him because I had to keep him from getting away. And he does catch up with this guy, grabs him, and begins to fight with him. The result was a bruised and battered man who received medical. I'm skipping over his name because I just don't give a crap. In fact, I'm going to tell our managing editor of the site, why we even bother naming these people? <laughs> anyway, yeah. just kidding. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh he was, and there's actually a photo of him from the police. He's he is beat up pretty good. So, homeowner caught up to him. Homeowner beat him up pretty good. Um, that's all fine and well. The homeowner was not charged with anything, uh, and uh, was injured, but said he, but apparently refused medical treatment. Okay, so be it. Mm-hmm. But keep in mind, all right, the actual result of this is the homeowner is injured as it states in the article they didn't have to go down that road that day they didn't have to end up in that position and it could have ended up worse for them right i mean i i assume as they're chasing after this man they still got their gun they fired warning supposed warning shots at him so when they caught up with him and they got into a physical fight now what if the suspect gained control of your weapon Mm-hmm. I'd say this homeowner is extremely fortunate. They're extremely fortunate that they didn't get themselves worse than just somehow, you know, I guess minorly, relatively minorly injured. Uh, so dead. They're lucky they didn't end up dead. And they're lucky they didn't somehow get charged or something too, uh, potentially. You know, this 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 had the potential of uh, going that that route. I mean, here and here's here's my point. Okay, because all right. This man basically, this man con, uh, committed a felony, right? Uh, and so, in most states, totally fine for this homeowner to go and submit him to arrest. Okay, but we know there's a physical altercation that took place. So that what that appears to amount to is a bunch of fists and stuff being thrown. And so you got dude, you got this guy subdued on the ground. And it says as police arrive. I imagine there were some punches thrown at this man's face as he is subdued on the ground mm-hmm. in current conditions of society. How would that look if a police officer had a suspect subdued on the ground and he's bashing their face in? Right. So, you know, and we, and we have all kinds of people saying that stuff's got to change with law enforcement and with their training and all this stuff. Should we not also hold ourselves to the same standard? I think it's a fair question. 
Yeah, and, and and you know you you bring up the the law enforcement angle. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it at a at a civilian level. I mean, didn't yep. we just see a big incident uh, occur when somebody tried to affect a citizen's arrest, mm-hmm. uh, kind of pursuing somebody, right? So it, it doesn't say exactly where he actually got in the fight, whether it was on his property or not. But I mean, it, what, I think the point where it, it, it's actually where, irrelevant. Right, exactly. But I think the point was that we're trying to make in the last uh, episode when we talked about the Arbery incident, we're not going to rehash that. But this mentality, whether it it doesn't have to be any sort of malicious intent as far as uh, a racist intent or a hatred, it's a a mentality that says, I'm not going to let this happen to me. I'm going to, you know, affect my judgment on this person i'm going to affect i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to be i'm going to duel out deal out justice right and 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 it's not it, you're trying to take out revenge on this person because this person is is running away you you've 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 affected the the outcome of the incident right you've already done that and so it's that mentality and luckily you know thank god that this guy didn't end up in a situation where he had to shoot and kill this guy, or he ended up getting shot and killed because it would have been unnecessary in both bo- on both ends. So we really have to, like you said, hold ourselves accountable uh, and think about what we're doing. And when you see people online posting things like, you know, if I'm justified, you know, I, I shoot to kill, and no, no, no questions asked. You really gotta, re- you know, police our own and kind of, kind of tamp that down and, and, and educate. I'm not saying yell at these people. I'm saying educate them and tell them why that mentality is dangerous. You got it. That's right. Uh, that's what we've preached since, since the beginning of this podcast. And mm-hmm. many hundreds or if not thousands of you, maybe tens of thousands of you have been educated and made them <laughs> better for it. Yeah. So good on you and good on you for being here and listening today. <laughs> <laughs> um. I, I just noticed, actually, as I was going back through this, uh, that that it was it was multiple times that warning shots were fired. I had mm-hmm. missed that in my first reading of the article. Uh, so that when the when the suspect ran away from the house, the homeowner fired several warning shots, and then when he caught up to him, he, when he found him down like on the riverbank or something, he fired several more warning shots, and then that I, I assume allowed him to uh, to then grab this man, and that's when the physical fight began. I don't know. It's an interesting mentality, you know, like I'm going to use my gun as a warning device to gain compliance so I then can subdue them to cu- to my custody and then pound their face in. Yeah, it's it's just not Okay. Not great. We shouldn't be doing that, right? I just yeah, I agree. Third suspect charged after a deadly shooting during a Morell's Inlet robbery. This was in South Carolina where a third person had been apprehended after a deadly shooting during a recent robbery in Merle's Morell's Inlet. Never even heard of that place. Uh, so apparently uh, you had this, uh, uh, this robbery where two others had already been uh, arrested. And this third man surrendered himself to authorities uh, just a few days ago. Uh, what happened was a man was returning home from work while his home was being burglarized. Now, this is such a great story as far as the the example this provides. Uh, we've come across these kind of stories in the past in the podcast. It's not the most common thing that we that we find in these kind of situations, uh, but it is something I think is 
worthwhile uh, for us as self-defense-minded individuals to consider. And that is the, you know, this chance that we walk in to a burglary, right, of our home, right? And so it's so easy to let our guard down. Once we get that garage door open and we pull in and we park and we're getting out and we're bringing groceries in to, because this is, this is our home environment. It's supposed to be our safe sanctuary. And uh, next thing you know, you're walking into something going down in your home. This this happens more frequently than than you would than you would imagine, mm-hmm. and so the lesson here is to not let your guard down. Just like we're talking about with the the whole riot stuff in the, towards the beginning of the episode, not letting our guards down, uh, not making assumptions that you know whenever we come home that everything's everything's good. Uh, we should take in details. We should look at the property itself as we're approaching it. You know, are my windows intact? Are my doors intact? Uh, are there any other signs? Is there a getaway car parked out in front? Some strange vehicle that I'm not familiar with? You know, if so, is there somebody sitting in it? What are they doing? What are they there for? I mean, all these things, all these clues, provided that there's one or more of these things that we take note of, go, you know, would, would be enough for us to you know, kind of go, well, wait a minute, what's going on here? And and, mm-hmm. and taking note and, and having a little bit greater level of attention uh, is very valuable. So uh, what happened here is this man came home. His home was being uh, burglarized. Uh, it says it says during a struggle. So let's assume that, I mean, this guy probably walks in through the door. And next thing you know, you got dudes on top of you. Uh, it says here mm-hmm. that the man, the homeowner, and at least one burglar were, were shot. The victim later died from his injuries, the man, right? Mm-hmm. The homeowner. So, again, I think we covered a story a while back. Uh, it's hard for me to keep a uh, timeline of these things where a couple was murdered mm-hmm. and they came home into their home. Uh, I know personally, and this is not one we report on the podcast, but I had a concealed carry class student that came through my class a few years back who uh, she, her husband didn't need the class. And she requested if he could attend with her because she. this was a very unsettling thing for her. But she had come home during a lunch break one day and was violently assaulted and tied up in her home. This happened just 10, 15 minutes away from where I live, right? And and three, three or four weeks later, she's in my concealed carry class telling me this. Sto- well, her husband had to tell me this story because it was too traumatic for her. But she wanted to go through the class. She wanted to start carrying her gun because she was in a situation where she was victimized and for the first time in our life realized, crap, I wish I had that tool with me and I wish I had the training and the ability to use it. So, uh, yeah, this is, this, I'm glad they've, they've caught these three guys. Uh, you know, these three guys, I hope, are put away for a long time because as a result of, of the actions of these three, three men, uh, an innocent homeowner is dead. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think um, this obviously is kind of uh, put in under the what not to do uh, headline, but I kind of tied it to the other um, story because w- one aspect is exactly what you're saying, Riley, is is like the situational awareness of recognizing, hey, something's not right. Like somebody may be in my home and maybe, you know, uh, you know, you see a door open that shouldn't be or a, a lock busted. But we also have um, we, we've covered 
many stories and you guys that listen regularly know uh, of people that know that there's somebody burglarizing their home or believe that there's somebody burglarizing their home and go inside anyways to confront them. Or, you know, they're in their home and they chase somebody out, just like the previous story. And so it's that, it, 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 these are the tragic consequences of getting involved in the unknown, right? Or, or, yeah. or getting involved in any sort of gunfight or any confrontation. So, um, I'm and, and in the story, it doesn't say that he specifically knew and he went in to confront them or, you know, it doesn't, it, right. we, we look, we're covering both sides of it, right? Like he was kind of an ambush type thing where he walks in and, oh, oh my gosh, these guys are in here or, Hey, somebody's in my home. I'm going to go, I have my firearm and I'm going to go check it out. Both, both sides, there's lessons to be learned, right? Whether it's uh situational awareness or having that uh, discernment or that restraint to say, my life isn't worth going in unless you have a family member in that, right. And you're concerned about them. But if there's no family member, there's no threat of life inside, um, you know, t- think about it because the guy before chased the guy down, didn't have to ended up. Okay. Right. Like he didn't end up getting hurt. Well, he got hurt, but you know, he didn't get killed this guy. You know, if it was the fact that he went in there and he didn't have to, he ends up losing his life. So mm-hmm. uh, just kind of a lesson learned on both sides. It really is. And that's what this is all about. Now, these, these kind of stories, they, they are intended to be lessons learned. Uh, and I hope we can take something from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to, you know, I'll probably take the lead on this next story too, because yeah. I should have let you take the lead on the last one. But uh, this, this one, I kind of sprung upon you last minute because I just read this uh, this morning. This one from uh, not too far from my hometown in Idaho. Uh, this happened in Bingham County, Idaho. And uh, you had an 18-year-old suspect, she, a female suspect. She's pleaded guilty. So the, the incident actually happened a while ago. But what we have here is kind of like the final result of of you know what's ha- you know what transpired and in the charges and also a conviction in this case, at least in this uh, individual's instance. Uh, you had an 18-year-old female suspect. She went through a breakup with a boyfriend. She gets it in her head that. Uh, that's a bad way of putting it. She gets it in her head. She's going to put a bullet in her head <laughs> in front of her boyfriend, her ex-boyfriend. Now uh, she, uh, she, she literally decided that she was her intent. It says she was going to go to her boyfriend's house in front of him, uh, pull out a gun and, and kill herself. She says that when she got there, she just, it, it turned into, you know, a decision that she was going to shoot him and then kill herself. So a murder suicide as is unfortunately way too common in domestic situations. So she gets there. Uh, he's apparently like sleeping on the couch or something. And uh, I just know that he was, let's see, she was, it says here she was dressed in a hood and a mask when she entered the house. Her plans changed to, with, to the intent to shoot her ex-boyfriend and then herself. As she pointed the gun at her ex-boyfriend while he was laying on his couch, the gun, I guess it didn't say he was asleep, but... Uh, the gun failed to fire, and he then hit the weapon out of her hand, and she ran out of the house. He then, so the ex-boyfriend now, he picks up the gun, follows her out from his house and to the road, and then fires several times at her vehicle as she drove away. She was struck once in the leg and received collateral wounds to the face from a shattered window. So she pleaded guilty. Uh, to uh, aggravated assault with the use of a deadly weapon. But the boyfriend's also 
being charged and has pleaded guilty to firing a firing a firearm at an occupied vehicle. I've never heard of such a charge, but uh, and will be sentenced in the upcoming months. That's a funny one to have on, like literally on the books. Firing a firearm at an occupied vehicle mm-hmm. wouldn't that just constitute like an attempted like, murder? Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, okay. that's just kind yeah. of a weird way of phrasing that. But uh, you know, so the lesson to be learned here. I mean, this is a situation where an individual, I think, probably just more or less reacted to the situation. Wow, my ex girlfriend just tried to kill me. I knocked the gun out of her hand. I grabbed gun. I chase. Well, by golly, she tried to kill me, so I must now fire shots at her. Yeah. You know, this is not a self-defense-minded individual, uh, and, and that's not a self-defense mindset, right? No. Not at all. And, and, you know, I think what you nailed on the early when we first started was uh, we're talking a lot about avoidance, right? Like in discernment and understanding your own mindset. And we cover this a lot. I mean, I think we did a couple episodes just on, you know, what it is your mindset. And um, it can easily be, you know, we can easily focus on the tactical part or the technical part of uh, shooting a gun and not realize that we're if we're not training our mind in the context of mindset, like, what are we thinking? Why, why do I use this gun? Why, why do I have it? And what purpose does it serve? Um, we can easily be, um, start making decisions based off of our, our emotions and, and you never want to make, you know, emotional decisions, right? Like they're always wrong most of the time, right? So not always, but, uh, very often emotional decisions aren't the best decisions. Right. And so, um, you, you got to have, you got to have restraint. You got to have that restraint. Cause I mean, what if he would have killed this girl or she would have, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a bad situation. Now, both of these people are going to end up in jail. Their families, I don't know if there's kids involved or whatnot, but you know, this isn't, this isn't how you want to live. Right. So, um, yeah, yep. you got to be thinking. So true. Matthew, tell us about, uh, now this is the last story before we actually get to, uh, the justified stories of today's episode. So everything up to this point had been, you know, like lessons learned for sure. Like don't do this, don't do that. <laughs> uh, maybe think about these things. We've got one more here from AZ. So like Arizona, azfamily.com man shot killed while training to detain or while training, while trying to detain hit and run suspects in Tempe, Arizona. Yeah. And this is, this is tragic. So, um, 22-year-old guy, Joseph DeLeg, I think that's how you pronounce it, uh, he witnesses a hit and run, uh, or he witnesses a vehicle uh, collision. Uh, Vehicle takes off. So he goes over to the the vehicle, the person who's occupying the vehicle that's still on scene, makes sure, hey, are you okay? They say, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. Um, And so now he pursues the vehicle. Presumably trying to, you know, I don't know if he's, pursuing it at a safe distance or he's trying to just get a get a plate it doesn't really go into it we don't really know but he pursues after this vehicle um the vehicle he's pursuing then stops uh and they they bail out uh people in that uh fleeing vehicle bail out and there's three of them uh, so Deleg, the victim, uh, ends up stopping these guys, pulls out his firearm, tells them, you know, sit on the curb, I'm calling police, gets on the phone with police. He has two of them detained. Um, 
they're they're all cooperative. They're sitting there. He's on the he's getting his phone to call police. Has him at gunpoint. As he's doing that, the third person that bailed out of this car comes back, uh, distracts the leg just for a moment. As he turns, one of the guys that are sitting on the on the uh, the curb pull out a revolver for his pocket, shoots the leg in the face. Uh, he dies on scene. Uh, terrible story. Um, they, you know, officers get on scene. They, they, uh, they uh, take everybody into custody, all, all the outside suspects. Uh, it's a 17 year old uh, ends up being the one who shot and killed the leg. So we talked, we kind of started with a, a, you know, a story about a, you know, a seven year old and 10 years later, you have people out there committing murder. Um, and yeah. he's been charged with second degree murder, tampering with evidence, a minor in possession of a weapon, possession of marijuana, possession of narcot narcotic drug, hit and run, driving on a suspended license. Right. So this dude's life is over. Uh, the guy, Good Samaritan, who's trying to help out, uh, he ends up losing his life. It's just, a, it's a sad story. Um, and this isn't necessarily like a, I wouldn't say necessarily what what not to do. Um, he's doing a noble thing by trying to help, uh, you know, get this this hit and run suspect vehicle. Um, but think about, you know, how in depth are you going to get? And if you do, you know, if the dog catches the car, right, so to speak, the dog runs after the car, barking, 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 the car stops. What's the dog going to do? Is it going to attack the car is it going to run back home right and so you got to be careful about pursuing people because if they end up stopping like you want them to do then what's going to happen and so um he uh, unfortunately ends up losing a life is really sad story yeah uh for sure man um you know, after all the stories you know we've covered on the podcast these past four plus years uh you know it's really taught me that if you are involved in a vehicle accident or you witness or you come up upon a vehicle accident that uh, you don't just assume that it is what that it is what you think it is that it you know that it what you see is like what you see is just the surface right there there could be something else going on beneath the surface mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know thinking about Oh man! I, I, well, one example would be uh, the um, situation where the concealed carrier uh, had to save the cop. Right? Yeah. Cop had come up. You know, they, they, this this individual had uh, wrecked or something, and then got uh, attacked by the person that wrecked the vehicle. And you know, then the concealed carrier had to shoot them because they were you know posing a, a deadly threat to this cop as they were uh you know they kind of had gained the upper hand so you know it's, it's stuff like that that you come up on a scene of what appears to be an accident but you got to approach it uh, cautiously uh which really is honestly kind of like that first rule of being a so-called first responder um that uh, you approach the scene with caution you make sure that the scene is safe Right. In this case, though, you know, it developed probably relatively quickly because man sees an accident and then sees people run off. Okay. Hit and run. Well, got to catch somebody. Got to catch these guys. They got to pay for this. It's a noble thing. But we, in recent history, even, you know, remember the guy just a few weeks, last month, I think, in fact, that uh, tried to help the cops and chased after the, I think it was like a burglar or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
and the burglar turned around and shot him, killed him. Yeah. Right. He was, you know, father of like two kids and, you know, had a wife and stuff. So, um, it's a noble thing, but think before you get yourself involved, mm-hmm. think about what you have the uh, potential of losing. For sure. We head now to Alaska, alaskapublic.com. Uh, this is a, uh, Small town, I'm sure. Uh, in fact, I should look this up. This actually has me really curious. There's a small village in Alaska called Quethluk, I guess. Uh, and apparently the cops in Quethluk don't carry guns. Uh, it says here in the article because of budgetary reasons. All right, so I just looked it up. I should have looked this up before we began, but okay, I got, I got this map pulled up now. They are in the far western corner southwestern corner of Alaska in the Yukon Delta National Wildlife Refuge. This is in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Okay. So this is completely understandable. You have this small village that has uh, uh, a police force and uh, which actually that's kind of impressive. So maybe the, maybe the population of this village is more than what I think, but uh, because it says it says out of the 10 village police officers in Questlook, zero carry a gun. Some have a baton and pepper spray, but others are armed with only handcuffs. Officers explained that the reason that they that the uh, village police officers don't carry firearms is a lack of funding. That the required training to carry firearms takes two to three months in the lower 48, and that the city does not have the funds necessary to afford the kind of training so that they could avoid being sued for improper use of force. Okay. So that's kind of setting this, the tone. Now, this again, a small village in the middle of nowhere in Alaska, and uh, cops don't carry guns. So this is like England, <laughs> you know, like where the, the beat cops. Okay, so the population is 721 people, it says here. They have 10 cops for 721 people. It's <laughs> a lot. A lot of cops. Uh, so they don't have a budget to train 10 cops to carry guns. Maybe they could have a budget to have a police force of Four. Two or three cops, <laughs> like most 700 population you know villages have, and pay for those guys to get training. But anyway, I don't mean to make fun of them. I'm not making fun of them. It's just, it's just kind of this is, and this is the reality of uh, some of these very remote locations, uh, mm-hmm. which Alaska has a lot of them. So, what happens here? And I've really buried the lead here to the story. Is an armed resident, a 19 year old man breaks into the village public safety building, says that he's dressed for combat. He staged rifles inside and then activated the fire alert system. So it goes into the village public safety building. This is basically a building. There's a photo of it too, that I'm guessing is probably used for all firefighting and police related duties. (laughs) Um, He breaks in, sets himself up, pulls the fire alarm. So what happens? You get all these first responders start rushing to the this public safety building. As they show up, this 19-year-old man starts firing bullets at them. Fortunately, nobody was hit or wounded. And, and by the way, the uh, perpetrator was wearing a bulletproof vest and helmet. So, I mean, this is well-planned. Like, mm-hmm. this is a very much set up ambush-style attack on first responders. Because you're going to get cops that show up. You're going to get volunteer firefighters that show up. You're going to get all kinds of, you know, it's, it's almost like this guy didn't care who he was going to kill. He just, he was setting this up 
to be an all-out ambush and murdering of, of first responders. Mm-hmm. What put an end to it? According to this story, a resident by the name of Casey Thompson will recognize him. He showed up with a rifle and was able to get the shooter to drop his weapon. So just one of the local residents grabs his gun and goes over there and puts a stop to it. How about that? You have regular Joe dude, you know, living in town there, and he's the one that's rescuing the cops from being killed. Mm-hmm. Pretty remarkable. So now it has this lo- this small village's police department uh, thinking about pursuing uh, more training or at least getting their officers uh, armed to be carrying guns because uh, this was just unacceptable for them to be put into such a position that there was literally nothing that these cops could do yeah. to stop this, this 19 year old guy from, from shooting at him. So uh, it took an armed member of the community to put a stop to a remarkable story, by the way, uh, kind of silly in a way that it's just the concept that cops wouldn't be armed, you know, like this, but uh, it is what it is. Yeah, and and when I came across this, I was almost reading it like, "Wow, this is this is crazy." I can't believe nobody's covered this. This is just a, a bizarre. Like the police department's kind of you know they don't have guns, and it's you know, and, and a citizen stops a potential you know ambush killing of potentially ten police officers or first responders, right? Yes. Um. So in nothing, like not even like crickets, right? So it's it's crazy. And and what's what's interesting is you know casey thompson the guy who who stops the shooter and by the way he doesn't uh he doesn't kill the shooter he he like basically talks him down right and in, in yeah. at, at gunpoint which is awesome uh he this casey thompson doesn't even want to talk to the media he's like now nah, i'm good like all in the day's work right like um <laughs> uh, other than you know it, it, it's crazy but th- this is this is reality, you know, and, and I, I just think um, I think it's interesting that these types of things don't get covered. You know, like we always mm. say, you know, they don't cover the good stories and stuff. But this was like buried. And I thought, wow, we got to talk about this because this is uh, even though it's a remote area, probably not a lot of crime. It doesn't matter if they didn't have a murder in 10 years. You're about to have 10 in, in a, you know, in 30 seconds. So no. it's, it's, you know what I mean? So it's, it's that, that would have put this place on the map um, for sure. Yep. For sure. Uh, again, yeah, quite, quite literally because people have never heard of Quetzalcoatl, I am sure, Alaska. Right. Uh <laughs> So remarkable story and a remarkable result. Uh, good for them. You know what? What this department should do, or what? I, I see. There's other villages or little towns that are kind of in that region. Um, they should pay to send one of their guys or two of their guys off to get some, you know, law enforcement. Uh, at, at the very least, pistol uh, instructor certifications, and come back and then train their own guys. You know, and that's actually what a lot of agencies do. I mean, when I went through and got my, I can't remember if it was my carbine or or handgun uh, instructor cert as a, you know, for, for on the LE side, uh, we had a guy from a small town sheriff's department that was there so that he could go back and train their, their officers, their deputies, because they don't have a lot of resources. Sounds like a reasonable idea. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, I hope they get that all worked out and that they are not found vulnerable like that again. Yeah. And maybe, maybe get a 
GoFundMe. If we can give GoFundMe's for uh, accounts set up for you know bail people out of out of jail and stuff like that for why not you know yeah. get a GoFundMe for this uh, police department for sure. <laughs> you want to set that up? <laughs> yeah, I'll make the first donation. <laughs> All right. Tell us, uh, give us kind of the rundown on this uh, situation in Seattle uh, just a few days ago, where the Seattle S- security guard helps disarm a rioter who had an AR-15 stolen from a smashed police cruiser. Yeah, this is a crazy story, and you guys might have seen the video. Um, but basically what happens is uh, obviously during the, the riots are going on, um, and uh, some AR-15s are stolen out of police vehicles, all right? So uh, in this video, you see uh, – you see a guy run up. You see a, a, a couple group, a couple people around the front of this vehicle trying to kind of monkey in with this AR-15. It doesn't really look like they know what they're doing with it, but uh, they're you know possibly trying to get figure out how to how to shoot this thing. My um, understanding is that the man, the boy, I say boy, he looked like he was like sixteen years old. To be honest with you, um, I think he fired a few rounds into the oh, vehicle. You know what he did. He did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just, so, I just so, saw. So that that's a that's a relevant fact, right? Because yeah, that paints sure. a picture of that. This is not just a kid that's messing around with a gun, like. But it, this could this has a potential for turning into a very deadly situation. Right. Right. Yeah. I in the video it doesn't show him shooting it, but in if you read the the article, it does say that yep. uh, he, prior to the video starting to roll, he was shooting rounds into the vehicle, um, and so this security guard. Um, he's a former special forces member, um, and he's a security guard for a Fox news camera crew that's going out and, and recording this stuff. Uh, he basically runs up to this dude. He's got an AR 15 himself and he's got a, a, a handgun. He draws a handgun, runs up straight up to this guy that is, has these, this AR 15, um, points a gun. I, I mean, has it basically right in this dude's face grabs the AR-15 out of this guy's hand, um, pulls it out, you know, drops the magazine, looks like he clears it out. And I mean, it's crazy because he acts swiftly, aggressively, confidently, like, you know, we're talking about, you know, choosing what you're going to get involved in, right? This guy decided, hey, I'm going to, could he have shot him with his AR-15 from a distance knowing that this guy has an AR-15 and he's already just cranking off rounds? Sure. I mean, I think that'd probably be reasonable. I don't know. Like there's other factors. Sure. Um, But he decides, hey, I'm not going to put other people at risk because there's a ton of people running around and puts his life on the line. Uh, runs up and, and and basically ambushes this guy. But the, the the thing is, is he had the the position of advantage, right? He he took this guy um, before before he was aware of what was going on, and which was which was great. Now I think if this guy would have been alert and shooting at people and looking where he was going, maybe the response would have been different, right? He would have had to engage him maybe from a distance, but because he is training, he knew that this guy's situational awareness was not there. He goes up and takes the the upper hand and grabs that firearm or that, that rifle. It was just, it was awesome to see that. Yeah. Now I, this is actually where Fox, uh, Fox's reporting is off. Um, but uh, this guy was not spe- former special forces. I know oh, okay. that because I, I I was able to track this guy down. Uh, kind of a friend of a friend of a friend. Kind of you know knew a little bit more about the situation. Uh, 
you know, I'm a little hesitant to give give too much uh, personal details necessarily. Although I know his identity has been leaked, it's out there. Um, but I actually found a uh, uh, Instagram video of him online uh, where he kind of talks about this a little bit, uh, some some more from his mm-hmm. perspective. And he also posted another post. He said, "By the way, I am not SF." He's, he was just he's like I was just a grunt. So he was a Marine and uh, he was an O three eleven. Right on. So just standard, you know, rifleman inf- infantry, right? So uh, so he's very, he's very clear to 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 make make you know he wanted to set the record straight on that. But uh, you know this guy knew what he was doing. You know for the most part, uh, you know not not everybody goes into the Marine Corps and Matthew knows this and then comes out uh, just as a grunt. You know knows anything about particularly civilian based handgun self-defense um but uh i i noticed as he i mean first of all you're you're absolutely right he he basically counter ambushed this guy like he comes from the side this this kid doesn't see him coming he just until he's right up in his face and you know I, i'll bet that was probably the shock of of that kid's life you know like seeing that glock right in his face like <laughs> oh man you know <laughs> i okay, didn't sign up for this i'm done because you see that in his he he the guy takes a rifle and the kid's just like ah, oh, and he just takes off <laughs> like oh yeah. man like i almost just died you know mm-hmm. um and uh but i noticed as, as the man approached you know he's got he, he had the gun out but as he approaches he pulls it back into a position of retention so he can get up close he reaches in he grabs the rifle he pulls it back uh, he he then maintains control of the situation. There was actually an individual that was on the ground behind the vehicle uh, that he checked on. He's kind of he actually explained this in one of his online posts. He just checked to make sure that that person on the ground was okay, and then um, and then he. You know, and then he went back to dealing with the man that had the rifle uh, and clearing the rifle and then and taking care of it that way. And then eventually returning the rifle to uh, the police. So uh, pretty, pretty wild. And, yeah, you know, a, a great uh, response. And, man, on point, on point. So, um, yeah, well done. And here's the thing. Police had been called, right? Uh, the, the news crew this man was protecting – by the way, I think that's kind of awesome in a way, weirdly. It's a kind of weird thing. Like you have a news crew down there reporting on this stuff, covering these riots. I'm not sure that's the smartest thing in the world to do, but okay, that's what they're doing. And they hired this guy as their protector. <laughs> that's interesting. I've, I've never seen a news crew like that in the U.S. anyway. <laughs> with with like their own security force. <laughs> so, uh, but uh he, you know, so the news crew had called 911, but I mean, this is a riot. Like, cops are not coming anytime soon no. to that specific, no. like, until they can strategically move, you know, their their line, because they're in, they're going to be in a line. Wherever the police are, they're in a line. That's how riot control works, right? They don't go individually into a space because there's suddenly an emergency. No, they're, you're on your own. And that's the thing that, kind of tying back to the beginning of the episode that uh, talking about the riot stuff, you, a true all out riot, you are on your own mm-hmm. and you've got to be prepared for that. So there you go. Yeah, that was awesome. I mean, who knows how many people, how many lives he, this guy saved. Right. But, um, you know, nobody needs an AR 15 until you need one. Right. Yep. Oh, pretty yep. interesting. There you go. 
So that wraps up the stories today. That's the last of the justified save stories. We, I guess we really only had two justified save stories. Everything else was something else. But all good lessons had all around. And uh, there you have it. A reminder of today's episode sponsors, ccwsafe.com. And then you can check out the new Slide Spider from Arachna Grip in the Concealed Carry web store, concealedcarry.com forward slash slide spider. Matthew, it's been great doing another episode with you. Yes, sir. Always awesome. Yep. So it is time to let you go. And folks, thanks for being with us for another episode. We will see you back here, I believe, Thursday. And until then, take care, be safe, and train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. Reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws. But things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.